0: the university of adversity where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward because when the going gets tough the tough get going and now here's your host
1: Lance Ecos.
0: welcome back everybody so grateful to have you here today's guest is pretty awesome let's just say that we met at a kundalini yoga retreat a few weeks back that i actually want to get into more and i'm going to probably do a solo episode soon too but where we met and the kind of energy that we were around the people we were around was really special and i got to chatting with him and realized he's an amazing human doing amazing things so i wanted to connect so then i found out he's got his own podcast called green planet blue planet which is also amazing and you know we linked up and we've been chatting and who knows what we're going to create so I'm really excited to get into this and I really hope you guys enjoy it and get some value from it because we talk about a lot of interesting topics that are going to make you think a little bit going to challenge you but also super rewarding so um, I'm really excited for you guys to dive into this as always hit that subscribe button Go leave us a review at the end. Let us know what you think, guys. I want to (laughs) know. I want to know what you think of this. It means a lot to me, um, and the kind of quality of guests that I bring onto the show means a lot because you guys listening is everything. So I couldn't do this without you, so I'm so grateful. Anyways, guys, here we go. Gonna get right into it. Catch you on the other side. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. The journey of my next guest started when he decided to be a radio speaker at the age of six. His passion for storytelling shaped his endeavors into becoming a digital native and global nomad, living on three continents, countless countries, and learning to speak and listen in six languages. Traveling has taught him to be in touch with people, locals, foreigners, and the natural world of diversity. His career in marketing events, and media production, is being fueled by this diversity in its natural abundance. Today, Julian Guterle makes videos and hosts interviews that help listeners live their life with their soul, live their life to their soul desires. He hosts video interviews with artists, spiritual teachers, authors, and social impact creators on making planet Earth worth living on. He is also the man behind Green Planet Blue Planet podcast that showcases and highlights the world's most impactful drivers of social change. Julian believes that when all individuals are encouraged and empowered through economics and social values to display and express their true uniqueness, a new earth becomes possible. Really excited to have him on. Me and Julian connected at Kundalini Yoga Retreat, which we're going to get into, so I'm really excited to have him on. Julian Guterle, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Lance, thank you so much for this amazing intro. It's a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Awesome, man. Um, really great to connect with you and you're doing so many amazing things and I can't wait to unpack it all because the world needs to hear and I'm so excited for my audience to hear everything that you got. So before Thanks, we get brother. into it, yeah, no problem, man. Before we get into it, how about just giving us a little bit of background about yourself? You can go as far back as you, you see fit and sort of fill the gaps into where we are today.
1: Totally, man. I'll I'll do that. Uh, Thank you for starting at where I was six years old, making the choice (laughs) to be a radio speaker. I don't know if I need to go that far back, to be honest. I've been I've been hosting my own podcast called Green Planet Blue Planet for about two years now. I made it my full time project just a few months ago, actually, and I'm just really devoted and feel passionate about bringing out new narratives for planet earth that go beyond the mainstream media and really kind of highlight what makes this planet worth living on beyond the regular social economic structures and ways of how people think because i really truly believe there's so much more in the human soul and the human um story than, than we get to get to see and hear in here in mainstream media so that's kind of really what's what's you know that's the vibe in my in my heart that's that's what's making me me these days Um, And really, it started out with my first intercultural experience, dude. I I went abroad when I was 15 for for a full year. Uh, Shout out to everyone who went to and do an international exchange as as a youth or as a teenager. It changed my life, as you can only imagine. It made me learn a whole bunch of languages. It made me understand that my German background where I grew up is is great, but isn't worth a lot, you know, because culture is so diverse and so different everywhere. And it taught me and schooled me to start to actually be present with what people have to offer. Right.
0: Yeah, with travel is got to be one of the best tools, and just to kind of learn who you are. And when you start to go into these countries, you realize that you know things are different, and it's not all about you and the way you do things. And I've really noticed that yeah. because when I first went to Europe back in '06, all I knew was Canada, the states, and you become a bit ignorant because you think that's the way it is. And you go there and you go, oh shit, people do this differently,
1: you know? Exactly, man. That, that was exactly the experience, right? You, you basically get to see that something that is normal for you from a certain angle is just not normal in another place. And all of you who are listening to this, who are regular travelers, you totally know what we're talking about. And if you haven't experienced more than, let's say, a handful, like five countries as a real traveler, get out there. Like book a plane ticket next week. Just do it. Cause it does actually change the way you, you perceive yourself. It changes the way you approach any given situation. And usually I think it changes people for the better. It it leaves us with more tolerance, with more compassion. It, it isn't easy. I think that's why we're talking about it. It can be an adversity, right? Like full on actually, especially when language is a barrier, especially when certain mannerisms or cultures or religions are a barrier.
0: Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. And it's the things that you don't expect as well. So, you know, and you're kind of in a vulnerable state after a flight, you know, you want your comforts, you want your bed, you want that food that you like to eat, you like you just the certain things that we don't really appreciate when we're at home, that when you hit this other country, now a lot of times you can get those things, but you're, you're in your most vulnerable state, you're going through customs, you're tired, you haven't eaten right, and you just want those things, and you can be really challenged with the language barrier and with the foods and with the things that are out of your comfort zone. So I I found that that was where that's where the magic was though, right? And 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 every country you go to you learn to appreciate that that those those moments are sort of like what make it because you remember that oh, this 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 was tough. Like that was tough and that sort of builds a little more character and at the same time you appreciate people more because what they're doing, especially in somewhere like Europe because you know, you go there, and it's like this amazing world that's been that's so small. Yet, in this little area, it's like so different, right? Well, and- I, grew,
1: I grew up there, so I totally know what you're talking about. Now, being in Canada, it's it's quite the opposite. Like, people have more space. People have yeah, uh, like literally a far horizon line. If we're talking about the Vancouver, Victoria, where it's just spacious. People enjoy having a little bit more privacy. In Europe, you 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 grow up with a different. I would say um like structure of habit, you know? It's the way our brains are wired that culture and language really determines. And so it's for most people it's like a secondary thing they become aware of, but somehow it's what kicked me into my journey of awakening and my journey of like just giving my best to be as present as I can in most to all situations.
0: So okay, you're you, you started traveling, but like what were you doing before you had this so I I really want to talk about the shift that you've had in your life yeah. that we've spoken about before, um, but what what kind of country, what kind of country, what country impacted you, mm. and what time of your life did it really impact you the most? That sort of or helped assist you in the shift, or did it help at all, or was it two different things?
1: That's a good. Good question. And like, I'm happy to clarify there. So like I was 15, man, I was a total teenager. I had the desire to go abroad and learn. There's something in my soul. If you read into like esoteric philosophy, there's seven year cycles. And when I was 14, kind of right at the end of the second seven year cycle, my soul kicked in all the way and was like, dude, go out there and learn. And I had this ludicrous idea that I wanted to go to a third world country and learn Spanish. And my parents somehow received it really well and um, after a few conversations they said you know what we'll support you Um, we think you can you can handle it and so when i was 15 i was privileged enough and lucky enough to be sent to paraguay paraguay in south america is if you can imagine it or if you've been there or if you're from there it's a very different country than uh germany where i grew up right so country where things work trains are on time people appreciate correctness and like you know precision a lot and then i I went to this third world country as you said i went through like a long journey almost a full day to get there didn't speak spanish at the time i was literally like a 15 year old ignorant like white kid from germany traveling all the way to south america and within the first week man i had a total breakdown I remember, I remember crying and this was the only time I cried in this entire year because the rest of the year, even when I was homesick or whatever, I just felt so amazingly privileged to be there that I was able to step back into gratitude. But in this first week, I had a complete breakdown because I realized, wow, how could I have been so ignorant not to learn a single word of Spanish before I came here? I know. had a full year ahead of me. I went to school there. I had a host family there. I had a host brother and like all kinds of family there that were like, they were basically strangers. But within the first month, they turned into family, right? Because they took care of me. And so here I was unable to speak. And well, I, I love sharing. I, I'm definitely somebody who, who loves talking when the opportunity comes to share a story. But I wasn't able to do that simply because I was lacking the skill. And so in that week, during that breakdown, I remember like as if I talked to my own self in the mirror, I I was sitting on my bed and I, I was like, Julian, you have to sit down on your ass and actually pull this off because otherwise you will fail and cancel this experience and fly home. And it was 2003. So it was like before Google Maps or Facebook were, were a real thing. I think they were just on the brink of invention. And so I was sitting there with a like literally like a world map in front of my hands. And I was staring at like Paraguay, South America, Germany. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually here. My dream actually became real. Dreams, dreams are things that become real. What you dreamt about two months ago or two years ago, is likely true now in a way or other, depending on how good you are at letting it in. But then what I realized is through the adversity of like being completely at at the bottom crying on my bed there, if you don't show up in your own dream, if you don't actually say, you know what, I'm going to now learn the skills, I'm going to now amp up my vibration and actually become a kid that can be tolerant enough to learn from a South American culture around me, the dream will unfold in a very different way. And so, yeah, that, that's what happened, man. It, it completely opened my eyes. And within the year, I think it took me three months to become like somewhat fluent in, in Spanish. Um, it took me six months to like sound like someone you wanted to listen to in Spanish because wow. <laughs> I definitely had a German accent really thick, thickly spiced in there. And yeah, it, it, within the year, I think I, I really, really embraced um, this dream, right? So what I mean yeah. with that is, not just did I learn Spanish, but then I realized I'm surrounded by only English speaking uh, exchange students, right? So I also embraced learning English a lot better than I did at 15. I also embraced learning Portuguese, which was the neighboring culture in Brazil. And so I basically within a year, had my hand on three other languages, right? Learned two of them fluently and Portuguese kind of to a basic level. And it really opened my eyes to understanding how much is possible when you truly embrace the attitude of lifelong learning.
0: Right. So, okay, how, how much impacted that culture, though, you were surrounded by spiritually? Because do you think that same thing would have, do you think you would have had that realization if you were somewhere else? Because, you know, from my perspective, I've never been there, but all I can base it on is what I hear about South America. And it's a very spirit, lots of spiritual energy. Did that, ha- has that had a, an impact on your, on your um, ability to take that on and sort of grow from there?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I would say yes, short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, the true answer is, Lance, I, I don't think I was aware of that as a, as a teenager. No. You know, I, I don't think I was. Um, what happened though is something really curious and I've been living in British Columbia in Canada now for the last seven years still travel quite a fair bit every year, but I, this is this is my main home. And both here in British Columbia, in my here and now, there's a very rich indigenous culture around and part of my life in some ways. And also back then in Paraguay, South America, I was actually exposed to native ways of living. In fact, Paraguay is actually one of those countries that has its native tongue, it's called Guarani, still alive in its daily culture. Almost everyone there speaks both Spanish and Guarani. Amazing. and. It was something that, you know, is a different form of spirituality. So we're not talking about Christianity or some kind of like uh, r- religious uh, spirituality. We're talking about a native way of living and a connectivity to the earth and understanding the voice and the feeling and the vibe of the earth. And th- so these people around me, they were embodying that, even though they were certainly Americanized to a degree and they were certainly like, getting all this like new age media influence from You know, the internet that was starting to kind of take place everywhere. Again, it was 2003. So that's 16 years ago uh, as we speak today. And I remember I had to like go to an internet cafe and it was dial-up modem. So everything took forever. uh, Not at all comparable to today's times. And so the cultures were quite clashing. You could tell there's like a spiritual base on a native culture where people, the moment I was out of the conversation, people would actually t- sometimes switch into Guarani, which is a very um, guttural language. It's a language that, um, with all respect, is quite primitive in, in, in a good way, right? Um, for example, when we actually talked about this during our beautiful Kundalini Yoga retreat. When you are in deep agreement with something, like a belief agreement, you agree with the belief, saying yes or yeah is not necessarily like feeling the belief. It's a very mental answer. Mm-hmm. So when you do the mm-hmm, right? You're embodying the vibration of resonance and understanding. And literally the word for yes in Guarani, if I remember it right, is like a very, um, from your gut, like a, huh, right? Which is kind of like the, hmm. so in retrospect, the answer is yes, it definitely influenced the way I'm connected to the native communities around the world, the way I've been interested in native communities and just the way I've looked at Simpler forms of living than our Western dominant culture Because that's what really you know, that's really opened my eyes was Back home in Europe people think all this is slow primitive and needs improvement meanwhile the people here are actually thriving in their communities meaning they have really rich social lives and usually have a smile on their on their face like 24-7 so it, I just saw the difference between what the people's perception in Europe or now in North America is, and then how it actually was lived and how it was to feel and live there every day.
0: So how, so you went back, let's, let's, so you were doing, you were doing that and then you went back to Europe, correct? Yeah. I, got, I had
1: to go back and finish school. I was just 16, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So
0: you got back into that. Maybe tell us about the career path that you were on and sort of the struggles and what allowed you to sort of get out of that. And cause obviously you're on a new path now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, which I I'm really to. excited to jump into as I'd well. I'd love
1: to jump into that um, and, and kind of fast forward. So what definitely happened when I got back from, from that one-year exchange uh, experience, and thanks for giving it so much airtime, I, I, I love sharing about it, is it, I never stopped traveling and wanting to learn different cultures and languages, right? So I, I did a few of those experiences uh, throughout. I've been, like, I think up to date to about 60 countries without making it like my sole goal to go as many countries as possible, but to really immerse in the cultures and yeah, I, I went to university in Germany as well and studied communications and worked in a few different corporations, kind of following the, uh, I would call it the, the German dream. You know, I was working with Nike in event management for a few years and I was working in, with BMW cars in event management for a few years and really learned a lot of skills with the bigger corporations and whatever you think about big corporations, but ultimately it's, it's also just a, a big group of people trying to create something, whether that's good or bad is another question. But the skills were really up for grabs there, and a lot of responsibility really early in my twenties. And so, when I moved to Vancouver, which I think was in 2011 or 2012, I quit my, my job back then with BMW and and had this like next level of my, my spiritual opening, I would say. You know, where I had a few months where I wasn't really um, needing to work because I had I had just a lot of savings, and so I, I spent a lot of time in nature and connected with this inner voice again that I that I always knew was there that certainly guided me through my times in South America and this inner voice told me use your skills from event management and open space and so my next journey started happening in victoria where kind of serendipitously i ended up opening a multi-purpose open space right like a space for yoga for meditation for cooking classes for macrobiotic cooking for dancing painting you name it we we tried it and for about two years we had a community of 1500 people which for victoria is is quite quite a a nice size um 1500 people circulate through our space and kind of take advantage of the offerings and a lot of different teachers and both spiritual teachers as well as just like people with lots of skills would come through that space and share their gifts and therefore also share them with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, I found myself after like years and years with bigger corporations and learning about events and media, I found myself in the role of a lifelong learner. And that really, that really gave me like, I would say like a next download to how much we can accomplish or achieve when we truly surrender and we truly trust. Because from a career perspective, leaving a really well-paid event job with BMW in your early 20s where you have overproportionately large responsibilities really early, it's not a wise career step. Like my parents literally called me. They're like, dude, what are you doing? And so I had to follow this inner voice that, that, that knew better. And it wasn't necessarily easy to tell the truth. You know, it it came in phases. There were phases where there's days or weeks where it feels like, Oh my God, I'm doing the right thing. This is totally happening. We're, we're learning, we're teaching people, we're, we're connecting in new and authentic ways. And then there's weeks or days where you're like, wow, but my bank account doesn't really reflect it. And you know, my, my relationships are amazing, but they're, they're based on a lot of work of me opening space every day. Mm. And so after two years of that, I, I had to admit that it, it wasn't the smartest business to do, um, and I certainly needed to like learn more business skills. so I kind of fast forward through those last few years. The last four or five years I spent in, in digital marketing and um, worked with a lot of tech startups um, both here in Victoria as well as like across North America um, kind of more on a contract basis, and did a lot of communication uh, digital marketing and facebook and and other social medias because that's that's what I've had kind of in my toolbox from early days at university and at, at those big brands, you know, mm. and it, it certainly is something that I wouldn't want to miss. I love this new connectivity that our planet is kind of creating. I love when people call it the central nervous system of humanity because it does feel like everyone, well, we're still missing about 2 billion people who will come online in the next 10 years, but it does feel like everyone was connected, you know, really has the ability to go into an authentic exchange like us being here on the zoom right now you listening to this beautiful episode we're in a place of connection that wasn't thinkable 15 16 years ago when i was in in, in south america i was wishing i was literally praying for uh, the ability to do a video call to my parents and yeah. so that being a reality now you know um made me really excited to be part of that world for a while and how I ended up doing my own podcast was just I had this conviction at some point that I realized, okay, like I love working with other people and I love collaborating and I want to make sure we're telling like quotation marks here the, the right stories. Right. And then I looked around and I realized not a lot of the stories are being told from a perspective of what are we actually doing to make this planet worth living on? What are we actually doing to create a holistic vision for a shared humanity? And so I I decided literally like on a whim, I was on a a trip to to Tofino, one of my favorite places on earth uh, with a really good friend of mine. And I was like, dude, I think I need to start a podcast. And he looked me in the eye and he was like, do it. (laughs) And then I was like, shit, I think he's making me do it. And he's like, you're not doing it for me, man. Do it for you. And literally like a week later, I, I had my podcast registered and got started.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's super important that, you know, you have that outlet so that you can speak to the masses, right? Like you're talking about some really serious things, but having guests on that are very educated and able to express those things to people that, um, in an enjoyable way. And it's, it's important. And I admire you for that. Um, because it's a, it's an important topic, right? And our planet is the most important thing that we have. And I really appreciate have, hearing that when you told me about that at the retreat, I w- I thought it was a great idea. And as far as podcasting goes, what has been like? As far as okay, you you're you've made this transformation. You've obviously you're you're a spiritual guy. What has been a challenge? What has been really something that has almost felt like it's holding you back through that? You know. Through that that shift, that pivot from being that in that comfortable sort of style role, where you're now you're sort of tapping into a territory where there's this unknown, right? We're in the wild, wild west when it comes to podcasting, where it can go, you know, following your passion, but sometimes the money isn't there yet. you know what are some of the, what are some of the main challenges that you've had that have like that you've had to face that you can maybe give to all the listeners out there who want to do the same sort of thing as you've done? You know? Yeah, that's
1: a great question, Lance. Thanks for asking it. Like, yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get vulnerable and real. I think, I think money is a really big point. Um, it definitely for me, it has come in like ups and downs of struggle and like absolute joy because money isn't really the most important thing in my life for me personally. And at the same time, it's a super helpful tool. Um, it's a neutral energy, really. Um, the rest is what what humans make out of it on the planet. Um, I had a really easy and good time with money for large parts of my life, and then the moment I started turning into like wanting to be of service from like a kind of groundswell community angle, it started getting really difficult. And I don't think it has to be so. For everyone listening, don't make that your experience. But I think it was for me to to learn about money and the way people interact around money and the way, you know, even just sometimes you mention the word money or you 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 talk about let's talk about the pricing here, and you can literally feel the energy changing. You can literally feel, or you know, I've I've learned to read body language quite well through learning so many languages, and you can see in people's body language where the pain sits, you know, and Mm. it it's been challenging because that's maybe what I took away from it. But while I was experiencing those like intense challenges with money, where like you literally don't know where the next paycheck comes from. um, You know, the way I experienced it is it's, it's, it tested my faith and how much do I actually trust this inner voice? Mm -hmm. And every time I embraced and said, you know what? Fuck it. I, I'm going to just move forward now. It happened again. There's another $5,000. There's, there's another person who's like, you know, come along to collaborate. So it's tested my faith and my trust in not just the universe, but in my own ability to show up. And I think this is the biggest adversity way beyond money is when you when you do the right thing and you believe in what you do, you can totally succeed without a single issue showing up. There are those people out there and like, like kudos to those people who are like you know, rocking it all the way through. But what they will tell you as well, and I have a lot of those people on my podcast, is that it wasn't easy. What that means is, like, you've got to continuously show up and be in that place of self-discipline from early morning till late in the afternoon, you know, or the evening. It doesn't mean you have to work hard or hustle, but it means you got to show up to your own self. And so for me, that was that was tricky at times, I have to admit, over the last seven years, where, the messages I would get in in the meditations and, and and my practice, which you know I've been a meditator and a yogi for over a decade now, and it's it's a serious path for me. Yeah. While I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, I don't believe in the purity of one path. I mix all kinds of paths in my own practice. But in in those in those um, spaces, the messages I've become or, or, or received made me, and I've become a person that started operating on like a level further and further away from the mainstream and so that was that was pretty tough because you know i still am really well connected to all my friends from university school and my parents and all those social circles i have back in in europe and and in germany and not everything there is as connected to spirit as it is in, in my personal world over here on vancouver island so Making the splits or being able to make the splits between the worlds uh, was really challenging for me for a while. And for everyone listening, the reason why it was challenging was because I didn't fully just own it. Mm. What I mean with that is I tried to accommodate for people out of what I would probably falsely uh, attribute to compassion instead of learning how to own my own ground to say So this is who I am and what I do now and we don't need to discuss it if you don't feel like this is what you can agree on. What I did, I, 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 you know, stretched myself and say, okay, so where does spirituality happen for you? Okay. uh I get it. Where does community happen for you? Okay. And then I wanted to meet the person in, in the dialogue or in the feeling place just to make them feel really comfortable. And uh, over the years I've learned, um, even though sometimes that's a useful skill, it's not necessarily um, what keeps you grounded and on your own feet. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that was, that was a, Good question. A little bit of a ramble answer. No,
0: that's, that's that's all right. There's some few things I want to unpack there. Yeah. Um, What does, okay. There's a few things that I want to try and touch on all of them because there is a lot. Inner voice. How do we tap into that and how do you know that that inner voice is the right path and how do we know whether what to do with that voice and what does that even mean? Does that tie together with intuition? What is the inner voice to you and how, how do we tap into that?
1: Amazing question, man. Well, so this is, this is the only other thing I do next to the podcast at this point, right? Is I, I'm, I'm am a coach and teacher and, and mentor to people. So definitely reach out if, if you like what I'm sharing. Inner voice, lens is something that everyone has. If you close your eyes right now, right? And let's, let's just do it. And we take a deep breath together. Let's take one more.
0: You guys do it too.
1: Take a deep breath. And somewhere there, there's a voice. Maybe it's like, why are, we, why are we breathing? I'm listening to a podcast. Or maybe Lance's inner voice is like, oh man, what's Julian doing there? No idea where he's going with that. Fuck. Right? So whatever is going on in your mind, there is at least one voice. It's possibly another voice that's like, oh, no problem. I can trust. I, I know that he's trying to make an exercise or something. Right? So whatever, we can open our eyes again. But whatever voice is going on, that voice is there. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's the inner voice you want to listen to. So this is what most people are struggling with. They have voices alive that are formed by media or by fear or by uh, their conditioning that they don't know how to trust. Or they also better don't trust because it's the steadily, like, aggressive, reactive voice to everything that's happening on the external plane. Hmm. And so the, the mission, the, the, the meditation or the practice really... For me, it's, it's, it's still a daily practice. The practice is to move from the conflicted response to the external experience into an inner place of neutral. And this inner place of neutral usually is informed by, I'm going to simplify, by three entities. It's your head brain, it's your heart brain, and it's also your gut brain. They have different functions. If we go into the biology of belief, Bruce Lipton, or even Guru Singh's teaching, who we had the pleasure to, to be in his presence uh, together uh, a few oh, weeks ago. amazing. These guys will go way, 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 way deeper in how our, like, our trillions of cells interact, because we're not a physical body only. We're not a bunch of cells that make a body. We're a community, like a super organism of cells, and they all have... Basically, everything in them from mitochondria that provide energy to little brains and, and little heartbeats, right? So, when we look at the simplified version, our gut brain, you know, we, we all know this feeling like in our stomach, we know sometimes there's a large part of intuitive understanding that comes from our literal center of energy, which is the Dantian in the Taoist teaching. The heart brain, and this is researched by, by friends of ours, uh, the Heart Math Institute. Um, if you want to know more about them, I actually interviewed them on the green planet, blue planet podcast, the heart math Institute done research for two or three decades now where they've proven that the heart has a governing intelligence over the brain, the head brain, meaning the heart sends more information to the brain than vice versa. The heart is actually our largest electromagnetic field, right? And the heart is a place of true intuitive intelligence. There's some wicked scientific experiments where they found out that the heart has a reaction to something the brain hasn't even processed or seen yet about one or two seconds before the eyes or the brain can see something i think what they did is they put people in front of the computer screen they showed them random scary images so they would show them a few nice images and then a scary image and about one to two seconds before the scary image would appear on this on the screen the heart already had a spark a reactionary intuitive understanding and so we know that there's these different entities, So the brain and the logic mind is just one of them. And the reason why I went there from how to get to our inner voice is become aware that there's multiple inner voices. Let go of that voice that is just reacting to everything, and then start identifying which part of my body am I even speaking to myself here. And at some point and usually, for me, it's stillness and it's silence, and it's the forest. Uh, certainly my biggest teacher is a whole bunch of trees you know there's just something magical about trees especially on the west coast um, out here in north america there is so much space that they provide and an energetic kind of um again like a neutral zone you know yeah you arrive in that place you can hear those inner voices much much clearer and suddenly you realize oh wow that that voice is inauthentic it's not what i want it's not who i am it's who i thought i was and then you also realize this other voice that comes from like this intuitive place maybe it's a timid voice in you maybe it's a voice that you're afraid to share but but that's that's the real inner voice and you can definitely connect with that
0: so okay let's just uh, this is for you guys out there listening so if you want to tap into your inner voice this is this is how we're tying in together. I want to tie in together why yoga, meditation and spirituality. Like because a lot of times people don't understand well how does yoga really affect my inner voice? How does spirituality? Right? Like I really want to make it clear for all you guys listening out there on how and why you should take these practices up because it'll help you hear that voice that's the right voice to listen to. Am I right on that, Julian?
1: Like- 100%. And then if you, you know, if you follow that logic that you just shared, when you listen to that real voice because you made space, you did the practice, and you do it basically every day, then you still can go out there and hustle and work and create and socialize yeah. and network. That's not, it's not contrary or opposing to it, but it's, it's much more authentic, real, and of service to humanity, yourself, and the entire planet when it comes from a true place of authentic, Mm. listening like it's it's literally listening Lance. and you know i mean you're doing that as as a profession you're you're here listening to me today and i really want to acknowledge you for for making that your practice you know because maybe it's not as easy to listen to you oneself but basically if you set aside an hour to listen to me and record this episode there's nothing that stops you to also set aside an hour to just listen to yourself
0: yeah that's that's so true
1: and, and so like to, to answer your, your question about yoga and, and meditation and why to do it, like there's, there's a simple answer, it works. That, that's why you should do it. Yeah. And then there's a little bit longer answer and, and especially about yoga. Don't confuse yoga with the trend of our Western society where you have to buy expensive, beautiful mm-hmm. pants and nice T-shirts to, to sit 60 minutes in a studio where everyone is looking better than the last photo shoot. Yeah. It's a great place. Don't get me wrong. I hosted a space like that for two years. I love everyone who is who is uh, taking care of their body and, and and looks amazing. Like definitely a big fan of of people like being in shape and all of these things. But it's just the surface, guys. Because when ah. when you do yoga, it's it's not an asana practice. It's not necessarily even a meditation practice. It's not a certain pose. Yoga is a way of life. It's like. Like Buddhism is a philosophy. Yoga is a form of philosophy. It's a way of living, right? That's why lifestyle engineering and lifestyle coaching has received such a rise in popularity because it is something that we're all slowly and steadily realizing. When you leave the regular nine to five, what do you do for your lifestyle? How do you amplify your earnings, your social context, etc.? And when you're a practitioner of yoga or Qigong, which is kind of like the Chinese uh, version of yoga or any other form of energy mindfulness, you don't necessarily become a better person right right away, but you you attune to your own inner chemistry. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And I want everybody to understand the difference here because, okay, I had no idea the difference between Kundalini and the rest that I've done them both now. And when I went on my first retreat, which I've talked about you guys on the show back in February with my good friend and amazing doctor, Dr. Dr. Nick Jensen here in Vancouver, we had a retreat, Naturally Brave Retreats in Cabo. And I thought we were going to a yoga retreat. I thought, okay, I went there. Kundalini, I knew it was Kundalini, but I didn't know. And I realized the difference in the two and how how profoundly different they are, yet they're they're so powerful in their own, in their own, you know, state. But now after going to this last retreat and seeing it's more about, oh, it's, it's, it's so much more than just doing movements and trying to look good. And like you said, in your stretchy pants and all that, which is great. And I'm not knocking that at all. Cause that's majority of people do that. And that's amazing. But like, can you maybe just, clarify the difference, like Kundalini between the rest. And you kind of touched on it, but just maybe simplify it for people so that maybe that today they go, okay, well, I want to tap into that. And I haven't done that yet. You know, maybe give a little bit of clarity because for me, experiencing it was insane in such a good way. And I'm, I'm still intimidated to do it sometimes because it's so challenging, but I know that I need to do it because some of those poses were like. The, some of the hardest things I've ever done, which means I need to do them more.
1: Adversity, right? Oh make, man. Make it a university of adversity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right.
0: So maybe just, can you, do you mind just yeah, brother, clarifying? Absolutely. That?
1: I think, I think it's, it's nothing where I need to be exclusively right on. So if I say something that isn't completely right on and, and somebody hears it, please feel free to correct it or, or, or oh, yeah. do your own we're, research. But we're, however, we're
0: not claiming to be experts here, you guys. We're just, these are our opinions and you know what we've learned from our journey. So let's just keep an go. open mind.
1: Exactly. So I think when you look at Kundalini yoga, the first thing I would want to clarify is the word Kundalini. Uh, for those who don't know, kundalini is referring to the energy in your body rising from your spine like a snake or like a kundalini, basically like a serpent from the bottom of your spine all the way up into your mind, your brain, and your crown, right? Um, often also kind of connected to like a third eye opening because when this energy, the creation energy from your sexual center and your creative center rises all the way through your body, you have like these profound inner insights. And actually, the funny thing is um, that Qigong lineages and the Taoist lineages talk about the exact same energy. They just don't call it kundalini necessarily. And so regular yoga, as in most studios, is often either hatha or vinyasa yoga. Sometimes it's ashtanga yoga as well. But mostly that's what you encounter. And um, you know, hatha, sun and moon yoga, it's also really centered around synchronizing with the breath. I mean, vinyasa is usually like based around the flows. So you're like, you know, you do a lot of sun salutations and going to all these flows and stretchy poses. And all of those are great. And I've been a practitioner and have shared teachings around that for the last few years as well, because they all serve a purpose. When we go to kundalini yoga, though, it's, I would say it's just a touch more intense and the reason why it's more intense is because it's usually an advanced practice to instantly catapult you into the state of kundalini awakening, which means your energy will birth. Your energy will shoot up from the bottom of your spine to the, to the, to the brain and above. And so kundalini yoga is often accompanied by like a lot of really heavy breath work. Um, and kriya yoga, kriya means like complete movement. So kundalini yoga would be multiple kriyas, like Short, one to two minute movements, where you just do a breath of fire from the bottom of your belly. So, like for example, I don't know, you might just be listening to this, not. Let's watching. do it. Let's do it. Let's but do let's, a little let's breath do of fire. fire, right? So, no, so let's
0: let's do it for you guys. If you haven't done breath of fire, okay. Let's do like twenty seconds of it.
1: Twenty seconds, okay. So you wanna you wanna make sure your spine is straight if you wanna join us, yeah. right? And yeah. you wanna make sure your tongue is connected to the roof of your mouth. Yeah. And then pump your belly inwards on the breath out like this through your nose and then come back in the breath come let it come back in through your nose like and then breathe in pinch your perineum or your genitals like literally feel that muscle flex hold your breath and embrace the breath and then breathe out again i love doing that yeah when you do something like that you instantly feel a rise of energy right it is definitely a dangerous practice you can do lots of things wrong in kundalini yoga so make sure you talk to someone who is uh, either your local teacher or you have a teaching relationship with. Um, but it like, it opens up your energy body like crazy.
0: Yeah. It's um, yeah, guys, I was doing a pose that we were doing these movements. I think we did it for like 31 minutes. One of the poses we got deep. <laughs> it was like, it was like nothing. It was like, it's such an easy movement, but so challenging. And I was just so humble and so grateful to have experienced it because um, yeah. I mean, I could go off all day about that and wow, what a, what an experience. So,
1: um, totally. Let me share one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Please so, go. I, I so wasn't this is sure what I you're... offer in a lot of my like, um, coachings and with my private uh, client relationships as well. It, and it has to do with breath work. So breath yeah. work, uh, comes in all kinds of different packages. Um, in yoga, usually called pranayama, and there, there are these beautiful modalities like holotropic breathing where you over oxygenate, right? This is what Wim Hof, the Iceman is offering as well, where you like <sighs> taking a lot of oxygen and just kind of let it fall out and do this for multiple minutes. Kundalini yoga out of some beautiful reason incorporates all of these modalities, connects it with Kriya yoga and complete movements. And basically like tunes your energy body to cultivate so much internal energy that if you are ready for it or not but this energy is going to like come up and out of you and literally wants to play with the world and so i highly recommend like wherever you are at in your practice even if you're a total beginner check out kundalini yoga check out breath work and, and just just experiment and play because these are not just um, things that are currently in fashion or things that are cool to do these are personal practices the same way as you would. Learn a language or learn how to code or um, learn how to use MailChimp or something, you know, the same way you want to learn how to use your breath to energize yourself. Right.
0: I have I have a question that we kind of talked about that I think I don't know if you want to get into it or what that we sort of talked about it at the park when we first after the retreat but you really, you really opened my eyes to this. And this is, this is a bit out there for some of you guys, but I, you know, I like to, I like to talk about this stuff. I, and Guru Singh talked about this talking about, you can, you can go as deeper a little as you want about the multi multiverse and like different conscious levels. We don't have to, I know it's tough, but like, I just found that so interesting because we're on these levels of consciousness, right? And there's low level and there's high level, And a lot of the stuff to do with addiction, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex is based, this is from Tommy Rosen too. And I I hope I don't butcher this, but talking about how when we get addicted, it's always through low level consciousness. And when we get those temptations, it's usually that's something that's brought us down to low level consciousness. That's why it's important to stay at that higher level because those things aren't even on your radar at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And you may be, Cause I remember asking you this, can you maybe just clarify this in a way that
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can, know I can give my best. I know, I, feel like I know. And I from love the multiverse it. into addictions, but, but that's okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, as far as, as far <laughs> no, as it's, the- it's, it's interesting, it's really yeah. interesting because I, I hear you, right? Like I yeah. hear, I hear this like excitement and it resonates with my excitement. So maybe first things first, uh, another disclaimer <laughs> here, right? Like when, when anyone talks about levels of consciousness, Try your best to hear it as a non-comparative um, kind of experience. Because when we're comparing humans to each other and say, oh, that person is of a higher consciousness and that person isn't, that isn't really something I, I feel like I want to endorse. I want anybody to to go into. What I mean with that is that's kind of like the caste system in India used to be, you know, where where people have a better privilege based on their their spirituality or or such. However, there are different states of conscious experience, right? And yeah. we know that about 90 to 95% of our day, we're acting from our subconscious. And we know that that subconscious gets programmed between zero and seven. There's lots and lots of science on it. It has to do with the way our brains are wired at that time and how, how you know how our brainwaves are emitting um, different frequencies after we turn about 14. And, and therefore, don't regularly go into the state of programming the subconscious, but just acting out the subconscious. And so when you do nothing to change your energy state, you'll basically be tied to a lot of subconscious conditioning. And if that was conditioned by addicted parents or by, you know, like toxic environment at home, or even just really poor, like environmental factors, like, like air pollution, city smog, uh, food, um, all that it's very likely that the body and the ex- conscious experience you're making is, is, is highly limited. Right. And that you might choose, uh, to go to addiction yourself or have poor habits, et cetera. When we raise our frequency or we raise our energy. And for me, honestly, the best thing is breath. The best thing to do so is breath. I mean, there are certainly psychedelics that work. Um, however, though, they're not sustainable because you're not creating the inner chemistry to sustain those states. They're more like one-off experiences. Breath is something that you can control every day, day, non-stop. And so when we attune through breath, kundalini yoga, kriya yoga, qigong, all these exercises, we start raising our energy to levels of acting from an aware or more aware place where things like smoking weed or drinking alcohol or maybe watching porn or whatever it is are a lot further away from our first choices than they would be if we just, you know, randomly um, kind of ramble into our day. And so when we anchor ourselves into those practices of elevating our consciousness, we're, we're basically putting a buffer between our subconscious choosing or our immediate choosing and what we truly want. Right? Mm. So it goes kind of hand in hand with what you said earlier about um, just practice in general and then, and then how to like listen and form the listening to your inner voice. So much I think about, about that. I didn't really talk about the multiverse, but, but yeah, that's, that's way, way further out. We can go there if you, if you want to.
0: No. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I like that. I just, it's the clarity. And for me, the reason I brought that up is because that kind of stuff, I, I like to know why and, and, and why in certain situations are you more, um, what's the word for it? you're more gravitated towards those, those kind of lower action, those lower things that, like sometimes yeah. it's not on the radar, but sometimes it is. And that fascinates me.
1: Right. So it, there's another way to look at it, right? So everyone who's, who's listening right now, you listening right now, like ask yourself, are you your body? And so it's a trick question because to a degree we are, but to another degree we're totally not right? And as long as you identify with the body as you, you're you're going to gravitate around body experiences and body choices. However, mm. if you recognize yourself as the soul or the spirit or the consciousness that is in the body, having an experience in the body, now you can differentiate between the two experiences. They're still highly entangled, of course, because I am making the experience here as Julian, right? However, mm. I'm not, I'm not only tied to this Identity or this this body you know I mean at some point this body will will pass away at, at some point i wasn't in this body right, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because our bodies come with inherent DNA and inherent kind of programs, and so our body are I would say comparatively speaking at this point they're they're rather close to just being a pretty primitive monkey, you know I think Joe Rogan famously said on his podcast like we're we're monkeys that recently found mushrooms you know? and I kind of like this this um this joke because when you're only in the body and all of what you're listening to are the urges of the body you'll have a very like lower chakras kind of experience meaning like there's going to be a lot of sex drive there's going to be a lot of like need to eat to work out to be strong or at least to take up a lot of space you know you can you can not work out and not be strong but still be really big by being obese or whatever or like eating a lot and you're basically filling space which means the body's need for security because you're a, a big piece um, of human in the room is, is being filled. And, and mm. so not, not to discriminate anybody who works out a lot or, who, or who's overweight, but usually that comes hand in hand with a strong identification with the body. Mm. When, we, when we kind of go beyond our identity as just the body, what opens up is just, you know, the ability to understand that are, there's more to life than than a linear kind of liminal experience and so as the consciousness we realize yeah but sometimes i have those body urges i I do like sex or i do like um two glasses of wine because they make me feel good or or I, i did really enjoy um you know this this workout and how alive i felt after and so in regards to how we train the body i would say the body then becomes our instrument so instead of it being a mechanism that just triggers all the time, where you're like, oh, very attracted to this person, or like, oh, there is a glass of alcohol, I should drink it, right? So the body is not the mechanism reacting to those triggers, but once you become aware, you can attune those um, mechanisms of the body, and it's like an instrument, and it's like a well-tuned instrument. And so then you become the player of the instrument, which basically means you are now identifying more with your soul or your consciousness. And from that place, You'll still experience the triggers, but you might not act on them all the time, right? And when you give your consciousness more airtime or more space, like literally more airtime, meaning like more breath, there's a reason why the word inspired comes from the Latin word to breathe in, like respirare or like inspirare, right? So like when we're inspired, we're breathed in, which literally means we have spirit and breath in us. And so I think that's where I would kind of start that, that conversation about like body uh, urges or lower levels of consciousness and, and kind mm-hmm. of higher states of consciousness. And they go hand in hand though, Lance. Like they're not like exclusive things. Once you reach the one, you'll never go back. Or th- that's why the psychedelic movement, which I definitely am a supporter of in some ways, but I'm, I'm also definitely uh, want to be real. Like it's, it's, it's not... There, are, there is no silver bullet solution for anything on this planet. Everything is highly complex in a beautiful, simple way. Mm. And especially psychedelics usually are like a ticket to go into, let's say, a helicopter overview. You're instantly more aware. You're like, wow, what? All oh, this is reality too? Holy, what's going on? And then you come back down from it at some point and your body has either withdrawal experiences or is low in serotonin. Or And even if you're a really great chemist and you know what to put in back into your body, usually your nervous system and your neurological system isn't stable to support this expanded state of consciousness mm-hmm. for longer. And so that's why I'm a big, big believer that um, breath and daily practice are, they're like the golden means, at least for myself.
0: I wanted to get into that because, and I know you're probably like, why the fuck would you ask me such a deep question? No, man. I I did it because I, I, I saw the value in how you explain it. And I know anybody listening out there can see that value in how you explain things. And that's super important because I feel like people need to hear that from you. And sometimes it's hard to understand because there's, you know, that profound information you don't have to hear from a guru right you can hear it from other people that have it kind of experienced it and that's why also, i appreciate also
1: also we are the guru yeah we are right? we are, we're beyond the times where we're waiting for one and like figure yeah. we don't we don't need guru or buddha or jesus to to save us we're exactly. here for a collective christ or krishna consciousness experience and so yeah. we need to help each other that's just the times we're in man yeah and let, let me share this like when i share about breath or practice or yoga or psychedelics Um, again, I'm happy to be wrong because that means I'm still learning. And I am giving my very best to only speak about embodied experiences because those are the ones where you can feel the resonance um, from what what I'm saying. Because if I just rehearse something I've read, um, there's very little value in that actually. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and it's like that with a lot of things. It's like that in nutrition and diet. It's like that. You have to experience it in order to be able to teach it. You know, it's better, it's better to experience it, right? It's like traveling. You can't talk about what these countries are like by watching. I mean, you can get a lot of it by watching YouTube and pictures, but you can't teach it properly. You can't explain the feelings and the smells and the energy unless you're there, unless you're there.
1: To, to kind of close a loop to our um, topic earlier, if you're only watching the, the National Geographic or History Channel and you talk about a country, it's like you're only engaging the head brain. So in the head brain, you're still having the experience of like, but but I know this. There is this castle in Germany, and Berlin used to be like this. And right. So and then that's great. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And the heart brain or the, the body experience is, is not at all even switched on in those um exchanges usually. And um that's that's kind of the very you know, masculine kind of patriarchal way of how our society works. If you're really good at knowledge and you can transfer knowledge really well, people usually respect you a lot. And at the same time, I feel like we are, we've come to kind of um, an end of, I, mean, I don't want to say an end of the knowledge society, but knowledge itself, it's, it's become a very different phenomenon now because, 20 years ago, we were not able to just look up any information on our cell phone. I mean, now we need to be really good in differentiating is this real news or is that fake news? However though, the knowledge is literally on our fingertips. So the way we um, verify knowledge and the way we share stories and the way we relate to each other, our social intelligence and our emotional intelligence I believe are definitely on the rise and our qualities that um, all of us are called to embrace more and to share more.
0: Amazing. Where can everybody find you, man?
1: Uh, it's pretty easy. It's greenplanet dot com or Green Planet Blue Planet on iTunes and Spotify. Um, there's also a YouTube with with my name on it, Julian Um Check out the spelling in the show notes right here. And yeah, just just send me a message. Instagram works too. Facebook works. If you like what you're hearing, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to just have a conversation, you know, for me, it's, it's similar as for you. I'm, I'm part of a big community and I'm, I'm building tribe. I'm parts of part of tribes. I, I want to be more and more of service as I grow my own storytelling and my own business and around coaching and and teaching. And and so being of service is the beginning and the end for me, my friend.
0: Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to ask you those questions because I knew that you, just to show how you are at explaining it is important. And you know, people can listen to this and understand you a lot better. And, you know, I think you guys should all go check him out. He's got some great stuff, great energy, um, you know, doing amazing things and, you know, having these conscious conversations about our planet. And, um, I admire you, Julian, for, for what you're up to, man. So
1: thank thank you you so much. Takes Um, one, takes one to see one. I I love what you're doing. I love the relationship we're starting to build since this epic retreat. So one step at a time. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about this journey is that you just connect with great people and you're opening up that, you know, sending out that the energy and the vibes for other things to be created. So if, okay, so one question left before we, before we, um, end things, what's the one thing that you can give for people to overcome adversity, to go on, to become successful in their lives, whether it be spiritual, whether it be anything? What's, what's one thing that you can give today?
1: I would say that's resilience. It's truly like, um, um, you know, embodying and giving your best at at keeping up, keep up at what you put your mind to keep up at what you put your heart to don't overshoot or don't fear what could go wrong. Just, just keep up. And I, I believe you'll be kept up, you know?
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. Make sure to check out Julian. Julian Guterlei will have all the information in the show notes. And I love and appreciate all you guys. Have an amazing day. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed that. Julian's a great dude. Make sure you follow him on Instagram. Check him out. Check out his show, Green Planet, Blue Planet. We're gonna do some amazing things. It's only the beginning. And I guys, as always, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let me know what you think. I love and appreciate all you guys. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.